Welcome to our weekly Wednesday night shear. Swing shear. We're also dedicating to Yudanishma Shmuel Benadina as upcoming Yartzeit or his 11 months. I'm not sure which one it is. Also, of course, it is the Shlamis. It's a month of Hayyar type. Should be in Chavdalid. This Shabbos Mir Hashem is Pashas Teruma. Today was Rishchidish other Rishain. A lot, a lot to talk about. A lot to talk about. Just a lot to talk about. Okay. Rishchidish other Rishain. Chaydish Adar is referred to as the 12th month of the year, the last month of the year. Counting from Chaydish Nisan, Chaydish Adar is the last month of the year. And as in all this forum it says, when it refers to Chaydish Adar, it refers to the last month. <coughs> Sorry. Even when there's another Shani, Uh, the shade is referred to as the twelfth month of the year. This cups on the table. Look at what we got. Referred to as the twelfth month of the year. And the state Megillah says that it was the twelfth month, which is the month of Adar. Shchedish Adar always has two days of Shchedish. Even other Shani has two days of Shkedish, Shkedish Nisan always has one day of Shkedish. And therefore, whether two others or one other, Shkedish other will always have 30 days. 31 days. 30. So the second day of Shkedish is other al of Shani. And the day before would be Lamed Adar And the same as did today. This week we had Lamed, uh, Lamed Shvat and Aleph Adar Rishay. Chom say, thank you. Mishenichnas Adar Marben Besimcha. Adar begins, Adar comes in, we begin to multiply our joy, we begin to add in joy. And the Yomar brings out of Papa says, For those keeping score at home, it's like the Steinus, that if a Yid has to litigate anything with a non-Jew, they should avoid the month of Av, which is not a good omen for him, we should make himself available for the Chedish other, which is a fortune for him. Because Shemayim, Shemayim, the Mivgalgul Zazakai, they evolve merit towards the day of merit. And joy towards the day of joy. Of course, Chedish other is the most joyous month of the year. Every day is joy. Okay. <coughs> 
wanted to discover and he went to the astrologist which month the Yidin will be most vulnerable he cast lots and he came up with the month of other and he said because in the month of other Meshach Rabbeinu was nifter. What he didn't realize was Meshach Rabbeinu was also born in Chedesh Adar. And therefore, and therefore is actually a month of Simcha, as we will soon discuss. And since Yehovah Yom Eil Lesasin Lesimcha, although Haman Rasha oppressed and caused a lot of anguish and a lot of pressure that was going on leading up to the redemption of Purim, therefore the Yidden actually, in essence, were very, very depressed. But Chedesh Adar ultimately, as we see, these days turned around and they became days of Simcha Gedela. Next week, in Hashem is before the Shir actually, next week. So we talk about it today. Since Shabbos is Minimus Baruch Bekul Yemen, the bench is the days prior and the days after. Is. The dates of Zion other, which we'll talk about, and Yemaladis. And more importantly, not more more importantly, and also similarly, Vav other, the yard site of Reb Shmayo Gerari. Shmayo Gerari was the brother in law of the Rebbe. The Rebbe, he was a son-in-law by the previous Rebbe. He was also a son-in-law by the previous Rebbe. And was the dean of the yeshiva. Was a staunch chassid of the Friedrich Rebbe. And a very, very strong chassid of the Rebbe. Now, you got to understand... You're talking about a peer, a brother-in-law, a son-in-law, just like the Rebbe was a son-in-law to the previous Rebbe. And yet, he was a total, total chassid, devoted and dedicated to the Rebbe, more than any other chassid could be. We spoke about it many times on his yard site. We spoke about his unwavering dedication to the Rebbe where he stood when the Rebbe would say which was the Rebbe would say by Fabregas the Rebbe would speak the Rebbe would say different sikhs, different talks that on occasion we would have the merit of the Rebbe saying a maimah we described this as well. The Maimer, when the Rebbe said a Maimer, the Rebbe motioned 
for the special nign, the tune that was sung as introduction to the Maimah. During the tune and throughout the recitation of the Maimah, the Rebbe would keep his eyes closed. The Rebbe would take a handkerchief and he would wrap it around his hands under the table. And this would be in a way of anchoring, keeping his neshama down in this world while he said the Maimah. Not going to go into an hour, two or three describing what a Maimah is and how a Maimah was recited and what a Maimah actually accomplished, what a Maimah, where a Maimah actually came from, what the sources of Maimah, etc. That's a fabringen on its own. It's not a shir. Then there were, on Shabbos, there were times the Rebbe would say, instead of motioning to have a nigun sung before the Maimer, the Rebbe would say a sicha, which he started with a posuk, which is it's known as a dibra maschel, a title. The Rebbe would start the sicha with that posuk, and he would say then, with his eyes open actually, a maimah ke'ein sicha. The maimah would be said, but in the tone of a sicha, not in the tone of the Rebbe, the maimah, the way the, the maimah was said. The maimah was usually recited. The only chosid, when the Rebbe said a regular maimah, all chosidim, everybody stood up. Nobody remained sitting when the Rebbe said a maimah. The only chosid that stood up specifically for the maimah ke'ein sicha was the, Rebbe, was the Rashag. Rabbi Gerari. Rabbi Gerari ultimately had tremendous, tremendous mysterious nefesh for the Rebbe. We won't go into exactly what the stories were. But he gave up everything in his life for the Rebbe. As any true chassid should do, or would do. Not every chassid was pre- is presented with a scenario, with a case, with the kayach or the shlichus to be able to give up everything and anything for the Rebbe. But Rabbi Gerari was one such chassid. His yachid vav other. Chassidim don't usually take aliyahs before his yard site. Very, unfortunately, very little pomp and stance. Very little glory is given in his memory. But anybody who feels the need to do so, if you're listening to this year, you feel that you want to give a dedication or something for the regular shag, on his yard site to his yeshiva, more than welcome. Be a beautiful idea, actually, at 841 Ocean Parkway. Or you can give it via PayPal at unitedlubavitchyeshiva at yahoo.com. Zayin Adar, the day that Meshach Rabbeinu was born, and the day that he passed away 120 years later. 
It says the Shemais, the number of your days, number of your days I shall complete, and therefore Meshavayin's days were complete to exactly 120 years, being born and passing on the same day. Anshimaisa, or is known as the, the pious, fast on the day of the outside. And there's Tikkun of, of uh, Zayinada, Tikkun Zayinada. Because Pashat, on the day of its Tzadik Zayinada, the day of atonement, they are fasting. That's not a recommendation. I didn't recommend it, I didn't tell anybody they have to do it. Adrabe, the joy of other, we have enough, we have to fast Tainus Esther. And Zion other itself is also his birthday, and therefore on his birthday, Mazali Gaver, his mazel shines, his mazel outstands everything. And the same fasting, the same tshuva that's accomplished on his yard site will also be accomplished, the simcha, the simcha parents gather on his birthday, which is the same day. In a leap year like this year, many people keep the outside on the second other, and many keep on both. I don't do either of them, tell you the honest truth. Uh, sometimes, if I remember. We wait. We wait every day for the redemption of Mashiach. We wait with anticipation the redemption of Mashiach. And so much more so, Zion, other, the waiting of salvation, we learn out from the birth of Mesh Rabbeinu. The birth of Mesh Rabbeinu was surrounded, the circumstances were very, very painful. Was sorrowful, were painful, were fearful. The Yidin were very oppressed. And the whole story of that evolves Meshavina's birth, they look to destroy, to kill every son, every boy, every boy born. The decree was from Pari to throw them into the Nilos simply because he saw that this would ultimately be the downfall of the salva- the Savior of the Jews. Since he saw that would be the downfall, therefore, therefore, his birth translates in such a way. The fourth Rebbe of the Babich, known as the Rebbe Marash, Shmuel, he had a Chosid whose daughter married a fine young man 
who was not a chosid, unfortunately. He was a wealthy, he was God-fearing. And the shidduch was nice. He was not only not a chosid, he didn't appreciate any of the chosidish shtick, any of the customs or anything. And even less did he understand or appreciate how chosidim was so attached to the Rebbe. He said there's no difference between Jews. A Jew, if he understands more Tera, he's a bigger person, he understands less Tera, not, not so big person. But a holy Jew, a super holy Jew, like a Rebbe, no such thing. Balmephis. But still in all, the whole family wanted very much that before the wedding they should all go see the Rebbe for a bracha. And that's what they did. He wasn't very excited about it, but he went nonetheless. <coughs> a year later they were banished from the baby boy. And they called him Shmulek. Beautiful child, sparkling, happy, gurgling, jerk, gurgling, happy eyes. But after a short time, they noticed that the child's feet were not moving. Started taking the child to doctors. One doctor after another, professors. And everybody came a very, very, very depressing picture. When they said there's no cure, this child will never walk. It was a shame, but nothing could be done. They had no choice. They accepted Rahman al-Islam, this Gzeda. Child grew up, he was very, very smart. Went to Shiva, he learned. Everything was beautiful, but he just didn't walk. No matter what his parents did for him, the good deeds, the tzedakis, the tzvilas, gunished, hopeless. And that's how the father felt. It's a hopeless situation. Child will never walk. The mother, on the other hand, said, "Is Reb Marash? Go ask Reb Fabracha." He refused. He refused. Finally, she just blew a gasket at him. About seventeen years old, almost sixteen, seventeen years old, and she started to scream and yell. What are you going to lose? child is not walking. What, would the Rebbe do worse? Ach. He says, if nobody else can do it, why am I wasting time with these miracle workers? Well, the child was already 16 years old. And she screamed loud enough, and long enough, and hard enough, that even this stubborn fellow couldn't watch her suffer like this, watch his child suffer, and Achmanus, the child, he traveled to the Reb Marash. It was an arduous journey, so he didn't take the child with him, he went himself. When he arrived in Lubavitch, he got an appointment to see the Rebbe. He came into the Rebbe, he closed the door, and he saw Kedusha on the Rebbe's face, he saw holiness on the Rebbe's face. But he was still confused. And he couldn't talk. He couldn't even say anything. The Rebbe told him, you were here almost 17 years ago. You were here with the family, with your wife's family. How is your wife? The Rebbe was so friendly to him, so kind, so compassionate. 
He just opened up, he poured everything out to the Rebbe. And he said, finally, he says to him, we don't know what to do. Rebbe said, you don't know what to do? I'll tell you what to do. Make him a shidduch. Guy looks at the Rebbe like he was crazy. Who's marrying him? Who's marrying a cripple? A paralyzed boy. Because he can't move his feet. Rebbe said, listen. He's not so crippled. Find the Yisema. Those days it was very often, it was very common practice to find an orphan girl that had nobody. And if you gave her enough, you gave her nice jewelry, gifts, there was no other choice. She married, unfortunately, all the cripples got married that way. She said, find an orphan girl, buy her nice gifts, give her nice presents and tell you to take care of her. Shalom. The guy left the Rebbe's room, he was in a different world. Something never even occurred to him. Marry him off. And then on his way back it occurred to him. Huh? We adopted a Yaseima. There's an orphan girl that lives in our house. We adopted her. We took her into our house years already. She lives by us. We support her. We take care of her. She helps a little bit in the house. So he stopped on the way to some big city and he bought some jewelry. And he came back. And they sat down with his wife and the girl. And they offered her jewelry. They offered her presents and gifts. And they told her they'd like her to marry the son. And they were going to tell him the great things about the son. She says, I know everything about him. I know him for years. I live here. And she agreed to marry him. Beautiful. So a date was set. And the wedding was happening in the house. He's a wealthy man. Had a nice house. Tables are being set. The food is being cooked in the kitchen. And the waft of the food, the smell, just came floating in through the kitchen. From the kitchen through the house. Shmulek was lying there, or sitting there, and he said to his mother, the food smells so good. I would love a piece of meat. And she was shocked because she never gave him meat before. Because he was a very weak, weak child. He was very... There was nothing to him. So they never gave him meat. They used to give him soft foods. She tried to talk him out of it. And he refused. He wouldn't back down. Give me... I, I want a piece of that meat. I, I'm calishing for it. It smells so good. Finally she agreed. She brought him a piece of meat. And he ate it with tremendous... Um, gusto you say and a few seconds later he finished the meat he started to scream the mother says what's the matter he says 
my feet. My feet. I started to feel a, a sensation in my feet. What is it? What's happening to me? And lo and behold, he started to flex and move his feet. By the next day, when the day of the Hasana, his friends were able to walk with him to the chuppah. He walked to the chuppah. Thereafter, he recuperated and walked regularly, married, and lived a regular life. So we see that Rebbe's solution came into... And this is a salvation that we don't understand how it comes about, where it's coming about, where it's coming from. The Parsha, Parsha Struma, is all about the Migdash. The Asuli Migdash Vishakhanti Bisaycham. Make for me a Migdash and I will dwell amongst you. And of course we know that Bisaycham, the translation, why is it plural? Because Bisaych called Echad, the Echad, amongst each and every one of you, I will dwell. Each one of us, each human being, each person, is a Migdash Ma'at, is a small temple, and we have to therefore see to it that we take God's word. We take God into our life. Sifriyat says, when the Basik says, V'asu li migdash, Chol mokrim shenemar li, What was that? Wherever it says, Li, It means Kayim Elam Elam It will exist forever and ever. And therefore, when the Migdash it says Asu Li Migdash, and we find the Medish it says Chamakim Shenem Ali Ein Ezaz Elam Lebe Lemazev Lelemabo. Whenever it says Li, it refers to that it doesn't move, not in this world, not in the world to come. It says again Be Migdash Asu Li Migdash. Explaining the Divya Sifri that we said, the Ramam writes, Sefa Mitzvah, the Amru Kalmakim Shinamar Li, wherever it says Li, Hariukayim Lelam, it means forever. It means to say this is a Dover Masmid, a perpetual thing. Vein Mitzvah, if you show, it's not a temporary thing, that's just one thing that happens right now. It's fit and obligated for generations to come.
This is Mitzah Sei, Kuf Ayin Vav 176. The mitzvahs of the positive commandments in the Rambam. Vahainu, which means to say the Purish of Kayim Le'ilum. What does it mean when it says Kayim Le'ilum? It's not only the Migdash Kayim Le'ilum, but the Chiyav HaGavra, the concept of Gavra being existent, constant, perpetual, every place that it says Li, it's a commandment of generations forever. Perpetual. We need to understand this. How is it possible to Mikhail Mitzvah Vasali Migdash to make a temple today's day? When Achwan al the temple has been destroyed. This, therefore, is we have to understand the Maimir of the Medrash. HaKadosh Baruch Hu says to Yecheskel, Emer Lehem, tell them to the Yidin, Vies Asku Likreis Tzuras Habayis Betero Bizchar Kriyasa, Animailalem Kilo Hem Eiskim Bibinyan Habayis. They should sit and learn, read about the temple, the building and the construction of the temple, and I will consider as if they are actually involved with the building of the Beis English. Even more so, HaKadosh Baruch Hu says, Because my children were put into exile, He had been a basic bottle, he asks, therefore my house should be totally nullified, wrecked, destroyed? He says, therefore, that through us involving ourselves in the tzura and the existence of what the house, the house of God looks like, therefore we see to it that it's not, God forbid, destroyed. So since the mitzvah of Binyan Beis HaMikdash is a commandment, a perpetual commandment, and in these days it's impossible to build a bias itself, therefore remains at least this part of Eisig Binyan Abayas, involvement of Binyan Abayas, the learning of the figure of what the bias has to look like, and this way we are Mikayim the Asuli Mikdash. And therefore it's not Chasusholim Binyan, Basi, Bottle, that my house is, God forbid, destroyed. We find, therefore, by learning to the Sabayas, it's not only a spiritual remem- memory of the Yibis but it's actually involvement in doing in the Tzura of the Yibis When it comes to our involvement in Bias Mashiach, the coming of Mashiach to Kenu, our first Aveda, the first Aveda that we have to involve ourselves with is the Binyan of Bias Mashiach Nishi, which should be Mahayda Biyamenu. And therefore, 
it's very, very important to us that in the coming of Mashiach, in the beginning of Beis till the beginning of the service in the Beis Hamidosh, the pale, all comes many, after a long time. We see that we're not home, we don't, we don't have it yet. But that's not how it works. There are those that hold a kohen may not drink more than an avias of wine today's days. Why? Because it seems Bishamidash will be built right away. And a drunk is also Baveda if you keep his score at home in Tainus. Yud Zayin of Aleph, 17, side 1. So therefore he doesn't drink. <coughs> to this, decipher, what are we talking about here when it comes to this drinking the wine? Two ways. <coughs> One is it puts him to sleep. And one is today sits by him until the traveling of a meal. That's about 18 minutes. He can sit in the system. And more than that is like 24 minutes. From this that the Kayan is not a lot of drinker of ES wine in today's days, according to this opinion. Which would take at least 24 minutes to get out of the system. From here we see a proof that in the time of Bias and Mashiach, Therefore, we need the Kayan to do the service in a very, very short time, less than Alikas meal, and therefore it's best 24 minutes, 59 seconds, that the Kayan be ready to do the Aveda and Besamikdash. We learned this week that the Yidin are asked, they're commanded, they're given a commandment to bring gold, silver donations to the Beis Hamikdash, to the Mishkan, for the Kalim of everything to be built. According to one opinion in the Zayhar, this command the Mishkan be built and all the material be collected for the construction took place right after Matan Teda. As soon as the Teda was given, they were told to do this. Which means it's prior to the sin of the golden calf, of the eagle. Now, as you may know, as soon as, right after the Jews received the Teda, they were elevated to a level of perfection. 
they were totally cleansed. There was no spiritual taint on the Jews. They were totally pure. Anyone that was ill was was healed. And they were elevated. They came out of Egypt at the 49th level of Tumah. And they worked their way out of this 49 days until they reached now the highest possible level of the human being. So the command to B'nai Yisrael now to build a Mishkan implies that making a Mishkan a home for God from our physical lives and mundane possessions is the highest humanity, humanity's highest objective. It's the highest thing that we can ask from a person. A proof to the fact that this had to happen, this transpired before the sin of the golden calf, when the Jews wanted to build and make a god, they went to Aaron. And Aaron says, go to the wives, to the women, get their jewelry, get their gold, and we'll make. We'll make something. Now we spoke about this already, that Aaron had a major plan plan was a simple one. He knew that they're going to go to the wives, they're going to get a rolling pin in the head, they're not going to get any gold and jewels and silver for, for a new god. <laughs> and the men also knew that. Terry tells us, though, they were so desperate, so pig-headed, that they gave their own nose rings, their own earrings, Now let's understand. The Jews from the Bezos Hayam, from what they accumulated when they, when the Egyptians drowned in the Yamsuf, the Jews accumulated at that point. They took all the riches. They had to tear the Jews away. They were getting so. They had so much. They had a lot of gold and silver. They had a lot. And now they couldn't find anything except for their nose rings? So the Zaya says, because most of what they owned, they gave to the Mishkan. They donated to the Mishkan. The Jews were so high, such spiritual level, that they didn't feel the need for this physical gold, for this worldly entity and therefore when the opportunity came to make it and to elevate this, this gold into something spiritual which would be donating it to the holy temple they gave away as much as they could they gave away to the Mishkan so they didn't have they weren't so fluid as we say they didn't have that much they gave away most of it this tells us how critical it is for us to elevate 
every aspect of our physical lives. How do we elevate it? We transform it into means of serving Hashem. Because this opinion in the Zayah says very clearly that the bulk of gold was saved for contributing towards the towards the Mishkan. And it therefore saved them from the biggest calamity, the biggest horrific sin in history, and they didn't end up giving it to Egel Azov. So the home we make for God, we have to make from our material possessions. Taylor tells us from what things they have to take. And ultimately it says that Kesia would. Although I've said this before, it's such a beautiful and powerful explanation. It merits to be repeated. The question is where do they come across this wood in the desert? Some commentaries want to say, simple, they bought it. There were merchants, there were non-Jewish merchants, there were Gentile merchants. They met them in the desert. Or maybe even on the sides of the desert there were forests. And it grew in the forests. Different opinions from different commentaries. Rashi says something totally different. Rashi says B'nai Yisrael left Egypt with a supply of acacia wood. It was ready and waiting to be collected for the Mishkan. Where does he take this from, the Medrash? Rashi says the name of Reb Tanchuma. That Yaakov Avinu in his Ruach HaKedish saw that B'nai Yisrael were going to build a Mishkan in the desert. And for the Mishkan, they're going to need this wood. He brought these trees with him from Eretz and replanted them in Egypt. And he told his children, when you leave Mitzrayim, take these trees with you. So it was Yaakov's Nevoah that helped them. The question is, why did he go through all this trouble? to bring these trees to Mitzrayim to plant it why didn't you just tell them bring money here's money set aside when you go into the, into the Midbar you'll have money for this or go to a nearby forest so Rashi doesn't just explain it but Rashi quotes he quotes Tanchuma Tanchuma is the Lashon of Nechoma Consolation Yaakov is aware that they might, that they would need this wood. And he knew that they can get it other ways. But nevertheless, when they saw these trees that Yaakov brought, and he planted them, he replanted them in, in Mitzrayim. And they grew in Mitzrayim. So throughout their exile, this gave them the hope and the reassurance that they were going to leave and return to the Holy Land. 
So in the hottest times of the slavery, B'nai Yisrael had the hope and comfort from this visible icon that Yaakov showed them the promise of redemption. And that Yaakov's prophecy that one day God will free them and they would build a Mishkan in the desert. So they constantly saw this. This is their constant reminder that Hashem promised I'll raise you up from Egypt and I will take you out. A beautiful, beautiful word. And therefore we have constant reminders today that the Golis is almost, is, 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 is literally over already. Mashiach is at the doorstep, is at the precipice, and we just need to open our eyes, we just need to be ready to keep the door open for him. Oren. Amongst the many different vessels was the Oren. And place in the Oren, in the Ark, the testimony which I will give you. If you keep me score at home, it's Brachis 8b, Tavches Amid Beis, 8 side 2. And the Imara teaches us that in the Oren, were the second Lucas, the ones that were not broken, the tablets, as well as the broken remnants of the first. The contents of the Oren reflect on three different phases experienced by a Jew. Since the Mishkan was the home of God, and also the home of the Arun, which ultimately stayed in the Mishkan. It connects to the Jew, no matter what the Jew, the Jew's status, spiritual status was. The first Lucas were given to Mesha after, immediately after the godly revelation at Sinai. Before Bnei Saul sinned and worshipped the golden calf. At that point, the Jews were perfect. As we say, the Gemara, keeping score at home, Shabbos 146, side 1, on the Kuf, Memvav, Amad Aleph. That the remnants of the first Lucas represent the Jew in his highest and most elevated state. Because the Jews, the first Lucas, the Jews were perfect, they were pure. The second Lucas was given on Yom Kippur. After Hashem forgave the Jews. After the whole sin of the golden calf and they were Mechapir. These Lucas represent the Baal Shuvah. person who strayed from Teda but did, did Shuvah. Finally the third Jew is represented in the Aaron. 
the Jew, Rachmanu Litzan, who's doing Averis, who transgress, transgresses against the Teda, and has yet not yet done Shuva. The flawlessness of the first Lucas can't represent him, and the second Lucas of, of Shuva don't represent him. However, he's represented by the first Lucas that are found in the Arun in broken form. Because at the moment, his spiritual state is in a broken form. And therefore, that Jew also has a part in the Mishkan. The Cherubim, the famous Cherubim, they stood on top of the Arun. According to Rashi, the Kruvim had facial features like a baby. The, symbol, the symbolism of this is God's affection for the Jewish people, which is comparable to the love that a person has for a small child. In Hosea, the Balaturim says, that Yisrael is only a young child, is only a lad, and therefore I love him. We know parents love a child. It's not an acquired or earned love, it's a natural status. It doesn't matter how the child wants the child, a parent loves the child. A parent is intrinsic, intrinsically connected, bound to his or her children. And it's unconditional. This is especially evident in the parents' adoration to the baby. Where this baby hasn't revealed any kind of potential even. The little shiny eyes and that smile, that's all the child needs. He wins everybody, she wins everybody. And therefore it was made in the face of a baby. This represented Hashem's connection, His bond with the Jewish people that doesn't have to come through the deeds of the Jews, the merits of the Jews. It just transcends the attachment of God through studying God's Torah, observing His commandments. But here even more so, the Jewish soul which is a part of the Kamim al-Mamish. God holds each and every Jew dear with the most closest of levels. There was a Mizbeach Hazov and Mizbeach Hanacheshes. Vasisa Mizbeach with Tzvisayis Hanacheshes the Vuvuches Tasa Isay. To make the altar, cut it with copper, it was hollow out of the panels. This was the outer altar, the outer Mizbeach. It stood in the courtyard of the Mishkan, coated, as we said, with copper. Rashi explains copper is a metaphor of brazenness. And likewise, the Mizbeach atoned for B'nai Yisrael's brazen and insolent behavior. But there's also a f- positive form of brazenness. The copper coating of the Mizbeach represents 
Namely, this means that a Jew must be bold and unashamed about his Judaism. Defiantly unfazed by those who might mock his worship of God. But beneath all that, inside the Mizbeach, was hollow. At each location the Bnei Yisrael came together and assembled the Mishkan, the Mizbeach would be filled with earth. What does earth symbolize? It tells us that internally we must always be humble. It's like the insignificant, trampled upon earth. Even when we're approaching any challenge to Judaism, with toughness and chutzpah. So these two aspects in the construction of this Mizbeach, the copper coating and the hollow inside with earth filled with earth, represent the two contradictory yet vital qualities that a Jew must always have. Today, unfortunately, we had a very, very, I don't know, emotional funeral. I didn't get to the funeral, fortunately. Rabbi Gersh and Tannenbaum, Shalom. He was a Rav for many years in, I believe it's called Linden Heights. On 9th Avenue, I think 47th Street or something. He was a very, very involved activist in Klal Yisrael. Many, many different things. He's one of the driving forces of the Eagle Rabbanum of America. Very in- instrumental in keeping up the beautiful custom of the Sudhas Veshchedish of the Eagle Rabbanum. I merited to host one of the last ones that he had, Shchedish Shvat. It's actually on the sheer site. And on Shchedish Adar, what more apropos yard site for a man like this, who was so involved with Shchedish to be nifter on Shchedish. On Ishkedish, we're not maspid, we don't give any hespedim, we don't do any eulogies. And there was no eulogies necessary for him, I'm sure there were, many said, but there was no eulogies necessary for such a man. His deed spoke for itself, his existence spoke for itself, his smile, his way he reached out to people. There were certain people that had to come to say this Ishkedish and didn't have a form of transportation, he would go and pick them up and drive them to wherever the Sudhashkedish is, and then drive them home afterwards. He always sought to prepare a sign, he always sought to prepare the settle. he arranged every month who should host it. So how beautiful is it that Ashkedish pays him back? On Ashkedish he suffers an Ebuchay, severe heart attack, the way I heard it, which was physically a Mises Nishika, a death of a kiss of God himself. Just say Rav Gershon, 
right, he wrote articles now in the Five Towns newspaper. He actually wrote a Hespit recently, his last article is a Hespit for Avdelsky. And the uh, tremendous basic, and he wrote that Hesper. He wrote that eulogy is supposed to be printed in the next issue of the paper, which will of course be posthumously. Very, very, very special person. Avad Chasim in Aretz, and Lach Hashem Dima Me'al Koponim. His family should be consoled. That should be Klal Yisrael. I'm sure Vikitsiran Sheikh Neafar as an Avu will be Makuyim. He will be Bereshim, he will be there seeing to it that the cover of all the Rabbanim, the Dasteda, the Gedelia Dead, he will be the one to see to it, to honor them, to give them, as he always did and always will. I'm sure the Maila is a tremendous tumult and the arrival of such a Neshama. It should help that this Shabbos Truma, Aces Teda Mem, the Teda which was given to us in 40 days, should once again, we should have all the revelations that we had by Teda, and we should be Zecha to the ultimate revelation of Mashiach Tzidkenu, Gula Amit Tzvashlema, and we should spend this Shabbos in Yerushalayim and Kedish. Shabbat Shalom to all.